Welcome, everybody. This is Ryan with The Scale-Up Show. Excited to have another awesome founder on today. I have Eric Shaw, who is the founder and CEO of Laxis. He went from intern for the Chicago Bulls to software engineer to investor to founder that's helping change and eliminate soul-sucking tasks from sales professionals' lives. So real, real great episode. I like having Eric on. He's so humble and is doing some really great things and is just trying to help people. So great episode. Look forward to seeing you in there. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Eric Chow. Eric is the founder and CEO of Laxis. He is a lifetime software engineer. He's been at companies like Epic and Grubhub. He then became an investor and then became a founder at Laxis, which is an AI assistant for revenue teams. Eric, welcome. Happy to have you on the show, man. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for the opportunity to talk to you. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, we've had a lot of conversations offline, like what you're doing over at Laxis. Uh, think you're on to something. And so I uh, want to give you... Uh, an opportunity to share that with my audience and, and you, the listeners, so that you can understand what's possible. So before we get into kind of you a little bit more about your backstory, let's go into a real quick revenue rundown. So what stage of the journey are you at in terms of revenue? So we are st- seed stage company and uh, we are early on the revenue side, but we have over 25,000 active users from over 3,000 organizations. Love that, man. 25,000 users. Okay. So what's your primary revenue growth go-to-market strategy then? We use bottom-up approach or people call it PLG, product lead growth. We have six major user acquisition channels. The first one is our partnership with the online meeting platform, including Zoom, Google, Cisco. We are featuring the app stores and get organic traffic. The second one is we are featuring multiple marketplaces. For example, we are Featured that product day on product hunt multiple times. We were featured on uh, AppSumo as well. So the third one is um, we constantly working on our SEO optimization. We used to be, we are still ranked on the first page by a few keywords. And, and the fourth one is our affiliate program. We have launched our affiliate program uh, with a partner stack. And uh, through that affiliate program, we build a partnership with YouTubers, bloggers, to, talk, uh, to let them talk about Lexus uh, to their audience. And we also have a, uh, we call it uh, usage-based relationship, relationship marketing. The more people use Lexus, the more people will know. After each meeting, we will send an email with meeting summary action item to all the attendees by default. So again, so the more people using Lexus, we are sending more emails to reach out to more people to potentially use Lexus. So that's how we call usage-based relationship marketing. And last, we also have our referral program. People can refer their friends, colleagues using Nexus and get rep share. So that's the six major user acquisitions, user acquisition channels we have. And how to say that previously, before we raise our uh, seed stage funding, we were only we have almost zero marketing budget. And those three six uh, acquisition channels really help us to drive our user girls. Yeah, I love that, man. Like going from zero to 30,000 users with basically zero marketing budget. We're definitely going to dig into that. Excited to hear your take on that and kind of how you made that happen. So how big is your team? Right now, we have 
five full-time people. And uh, we just closed a seat round two weeks ago. <laughs> we are in the middle of hiring a few more. Basically, by the end of this year, we probably will get to eight full-time people. Okay, excellent. And so you're, 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 I heard seed round, so you're, you just got investors. And then can you walk us through your solution in a couple of sentences just so that we have an understanding of like who it serves and then what's the outcome it delivers? Sure. We call ourselves an AI assistant for revenue teams. We provide pre-meeting customer research, during meeting real-time transcription and note-taking. And for enterprise customers, we can also do real-time sentiment analysis and sales coaching. After meeting, we provide AI writer, which generates customer requirement follow-up emails in seconds. You can also repurpose your audio into different content, like show, uh, show notes, blogs, newsletters. And uh, we also have integration with HubSpot, Salesforce. After each meeting, we automatically fill the, fill the content with uh, notes, tasks, and playbooks. And we even have a chatbot. Uh, the sales representative or managers can ask questions, Alexis, and get answer based on previous customer conversation. And we certainly have a team channel where all the sales reps and the BDs can share the conversation with the customers. And the sales leader can review the conversation, give feedback and coaching to their sales reps. That's the solution we have as of today. As of today, and I know there's probably more cooking <laughs> that you have just yeah. by the way you said that, which is awesome and, and fantastic. So like lo- love the concept, obviously, because, you know, there's so many soul sucking tasks that you have to do in, in the, the revenue role or even in a role. Right. And those note takings and CRM entry is, is not one of those sexy jobs that people love yeah. to do. That's yeah. it's great that you can do that. Um, so walk us through like how you got here. Right. Like I know you. When I mentioned in the intro, like just what happened from your journey from a software engineer to an investor to a founder. So walk us through that journey and, and what exactly happened and, and just kind of how you got here. Sure. I mean, it's a long story. It's a 15 years story. So I started my career as a software engineer, senior engineer, and tech lead for my first 80 years. And uh, at some point, I realized my skill set is too narrow. And uh, I just want to open my eyes and see the business world. So I applied for Chicago Bulls and got in. During the Chicago Bulls, during the years at Chicago Bulls, it really opens my door, opens many doors for me. I did the intern at a private equity firm. I did a lot of other things besides engineering. So after graduation, I started my, I pivoted into business side and did another two years consulting. And because mm-hmm. uh, I think in, at the end of uh, the first year of my consulting job, one of the VC firm in Silicon Valley, they were looking for people with a software background, strong engineering experience to lead the investment in AI and software. So it's a perfect opportunity for me. And then I left consulting and joined the VC. And during VC, I had the opportunity to work with many amazing founders. And uh, some of my, I know some founders are already getting to the pre-IPO stage. I see them from very small company get to pre-IPO unicorn status. I was just, because I was an engineer by training, I, I used to build stuff. <laughs> so after working with them, I just got inspired and feel a passion to build my own company. And during my time as a VC, my own pen point was, I had to spend a lot of time doing research about company founders before I even talk to them. 
And when I meet them, I really want to focus on the conversation, have a meaningful relationship rather than taking notes. And after each meeting, my job requires me to do a lot of note-taking, writing meeting memos, writing due diligence reports. I just want to automate the whole thing to <laughs> save my time. And later I realized it's not just a pen point for investors. It's a big pen point for revenue team, for sales, BD consultant, right? Uh, I think there is a statistic. Most of that time, every day is not actually talking to the customer. It's doing customer research, outreach, follow-up. So I just believe with an AI assistant, they can save a lot of time and have a much more efficient conversation with the customer. That's the whole story. I, I start from engineer to investor and now a founder. That's great, man. I love that. And what year was you, were you at the Bulls too? I know that was just an internship, right? But like, what year was that at? So I started, I was in the evening program. I started Bulls at 2012. I graduated in 2015. Okay. Yeah. So you missed the Jordan era, unfortunately, is, yeah. is what, I'm, what I'm hearing you say, which would have been awesome. If you, like, I think that's you, like, if you could lead with that and be like, yeah, it was Michael Jordan's intern. Like that would be a lot cooler. I'm, no. I'm not, I mean, being, being an intern for a pro team though, that's pretty damn cool at the same time. But uh, to be around there, one of the greatest of all times, um, that would be pretty cool too. Hello, this is Ryan here. Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review. If you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS CEOs and founders are doing, check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io. Join my newsletter, check out other free content resources I have there, and let me know if you want to scale your business. Now back to the episode. So let's get into kind of what you're doing. And I think I love your journey, right? I love how you're just like, my experience wasn't broad enough. It was a personal pain point. And then you found a niche and a, a different, I guess, functional solution, right? From, from what you were doing. One of the things that's super intriguing about what you've done is how you've gone from zero to 30,000 users with essentially zero marketing budget. Mm -hmm. So walk us through what you did to make that happen and would love you to give like almost like a framework of how you approach it initially, and then we can get a little bit more into it from there. Sure, I think uh, for all it really depends on business models. There's a top-down approach, there's bottom-up approach, right? For us specifically, we use the PLG bottom-up approach, and at the very beginning, we offer free versions to attract customers. But still, we need a a push. Is that a rocket? You need an initial push to get off the ground, right? Some company will spend a lot of money on ads to push off the ground, but we don't have the luxury to do that. And uh, I think what we did initially was building partnership with Cisco, Google, Zoom, to getting the exposure through that platform. Uh, last summer, uh, we built a partnership with uh, Cisco. I was invited as guest speaker at Cisco Live in Las Vegas. So that gives us a huge exposure to a lot of business, uh, business customers. Our logo and Cisco logo are together on Highway 101, a billboard, the business highway for like three weeks. That also gave us a lot of exposure. I think that partnership really helped to take off initially. 
And then we 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 implement this mechanism to let people to uh, share notes and expect automatically uh, sharing notes after each meeting. So we utilize the initial push to kind of this snowball effect keeps adding more and more customers. Meanwhile, we did another campaign on AppSumo, and also we launched on Product Hunt a few platforms to get this product to the early adopters. So those platforms are usually with people who are tech savvy. They are used to like they are used to the new innovation AI products, and they are comfortable to work with something with bots. <laughs> so the initial uh, users from those platforms are also very helpful. And also, we keep adding more and more mechanism. For example, affiliate program, more bloggers, YouTubers, talk about Lexus. All those things coming together push us to what we are today. Okay. So let me ask on that. So it's it's really interesting. So let's start with the Cisco piece first, because mm -hmm. it sounds like that was kind of the big domino. Mm -hmm. How did that happen? Like, how did you become a speaker at their event, and how did you get that audience? Like. Good question. So uh, actually, Cisco reached out to me. It's very, yeah, it's very. Uh, I really appreciate that opportunity. So when they reached out to me, I was actually surprised. Uh, Cisco at that time was trying to build that ecosystem of uh, building that ecosystem for the WebEx. They are just launching the WebEx ecosystem. They just launched the API. Some of the API even was in beta, and. Uh, I think at that time we were featured as a product day on Product Hunt. Uh, probably like the, within a week, there was that BD reached out to me and said, "Hey, Eric, we have a, we are launching our uh, WebEx ecosystem. We have some cool APIs you should check out." And uh, we are, I would say, we are very one of the very early partners with Cisco WebEx. So that's why we got this exposure through that platform. If we build a partnership with them like one year later, we probably won't have the opportunity. <laughs> okay, that's I get that, man. So it sounds like you got the exposure through the product hunt, product of the day. Yeah. Then <clears throat> Cisco reached out to you like, hey, this could be cool to have yeah. in our ecosystem. You know, it's really interesting because I've heard of people doing the same thing with uh, with when the Zoom marketplace first opened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. where they got fortunate and they were one of the you know the the early early uh, resources that people could leverage. So, yeah. so that's really cool, man. I, I love that story. Uh, and and that's, that's really interesting that you made that happen. So let's progress a little bit. Okay. So you got, you got into Cisco, then you, you know, you did product hunt and AppSumo, which was more valuable for you at least. Cause like, I mean, a lot of what I see on AppSumo yeah. is just like people giving away the farm to push product. And then you give, you give, I don't know, it could be as much as like 70% of your revenue away for it, depending on the, the splits. So yeah. like, Good how question. does that model work for you? Um, and maybe you don't have to share terms or anything, but I'm just curious, like. Right, certainly, that. I don't think uh, most company won't make money through that platform because of rev share, right? Uh, I would say, AppSumo, if you don't have much cloud infrastructure, you don't have much AI, you should go there. And uh, especially you have like a very high margin, you can go to AppSumo and get a long exposure, right? And uh, making some small money. So if you like Lexus, I can explain why we do that. 
So if you have a lot of uh, calls from cloud infrastructure, from AI uh, infrastructure, so you need to be careful because you are offering a lifetime deal at a very low cost, mm-hmm. right? So I think it's a case by case. For us, we have the benefit from, because we are selected into Google startup program, Microsoft startup program, Google offers 100K to use in that cloud platform. Microsoft offers 100, I think 125,000 to use in that platform. So we have the, we don't have burden from cloud infrastructure and AI for I think two years or more than two years. Wow. That's why we have luxury to do it as an AI company. Uh, essentially, we don't have the burden for that time. So we can, even though we are not making money, we still can get a lot of traction from the customers. Again, we have this mechanism, more people using Lexus, more people will know about Lexus, right? That's why we took the risk and launched on AppSumo. Okay, that makes sense. And then how did you get into the, the well, are you in the Google and the Microsoft one or which yeah, one are you in? Both. <laughs> yeah, both. How did you do that, man? Like, how did you get into both? Uh, I applied to Google platform. I think at that time, uh, Google requires the staff to either be funded by a uh, VC, they have a list of VCs. And at that time, I think Silicon Valley Bank was still in the list. We are not funded by Silicon Valley Bank, but we are a client of Silicon Valley Bank. So as part of the benefit, we had the chance to be reviewed by Google. Certainly, even we are a client of Silicon Valley Bank, Google still need to go through that review to see what we are doing, whether this fits into, into that thesis. But we are lucky we just get into it. For Microsoft, it's very similar, but we got into Microsoft a little late, a little down the road. And at that time, we already have more traction. We have some uh, investors already. And uh, it's much easier to get into Microsoft because we are more mature. Okay, gotcha. Totally makes sense. Okay, very smart way to do that, to, to, to get that free infrastructure cost effectively, right? Um, so sharp move there. And then, so it sounds like that's kind of the way you scaled up, right? You, you leverage those product platforms. You got the Cisco audience, you did that. Um, so you would say those are your primary, like three legs of the stool to get you to the out of yeah. orbit, if you will, in terms of users. Is that accurate? Right. right. I think partnership with automating platform, marketplace, SEO, affiliate program, and also our mechanism to uh, we call it usage-based relationship marketing. Those are things that come together to push us off the ground. Yeah. Okay. And then do you have a scalable model with like influencers and bloggers that you're leveraging right now? We are just starting to working on it. We have a feeder program and it was me, one, one person reaching out to those uh, influencers. And now we are hiring a full-time marketer to help me on, uh, on those partnerships as well. So I do think down the road, influencer marketing will be a main driver. Okay, excellent. All right, so let's let's shift gears a little bit. So one of the things that your solution talks about is using AI to 10x your revenue teams productivity. So walk us through what you see the opportunity with leveraging AI to do that is and, and how you actuate that. Sure, a very simple way to put it is uh, right now, uh, all the sales rep, BD, they need to fill that CRM after each meeting, right? They need to take note during the meeting. We can easily save them a lot of time. First of all, during the meeting, they don't need to take notes anymore. 
Second, we can automatically fill the content with nodes to do tasks. And also, for people with playbook, we can also fill the playbook. That alone saves them a lot of time. And on average, based on our feedback from our customers, on average, they can save at least five hours per week. That is not a How many hours a week? Five hours a week. Okay, that's, that's awesome. not a lot. Imagine if you have extra five hours talking to more customers, <laughs> right? That's a lot. Oh yeah, I mean that's 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 huge. So that makes a lot of sense, man. And that's I mean every hour counts. Revenue yeah. employees are are not cheap, right? <laughs> um, they're definitely an investment that you got to make. So every little bit counts. So I think. I think that makes a lot of sense. Where do you see the future of the productivity space going in terms of AI? Like, sure. Especially, like, let's look out like the next twelve months. Like, where do you see this space going, and and what yeah. are the opportunities? Yeah, right now, I would say the hottest topic right now is AI agent. Everybody is talking about AI agent. So AI agent, the concept is not new, right? I remember in in my middle school, I remember the. IBM Deep Blue beat a human being in chess. So I think that's an AI agent. Essentially, there's a goal, and the AI can achieve that goal. That's an AI agent. Nowadays, large language model has, how do I put it? It's essentially setting AI, it's setting AI to be free. Previously, the AI is constrained by the rules, border, space. Now, large model just making many more things possible. You have already seen people building prototype to order pizza to book online tickets with larger model. And last, actually, a few days ago, OpenAI made a new announcement. People can utilize multiple tools in ChatGPT directly, right? So we are getting closer to closer to more business level AI agent. So to get there, I think many people are already working on it. For example, uh, we will see many recruiting AI agents to help people reaching out to uh, potential candidates, screening resumes. You, we will, I, I believe there's going to be a lot of sales uh, outreach agents as well, finding the potential customer, doing outreach, screening, schedule meetings. I would say with more it will happen very soon. It will happen sooner than we thought. Yeah. It, and then OpenAI talked about how they're going to start to incorporate agents in their model, I think, potentially in the next few weeks as well. Yeah. We're recording this, what, November 1st? So I think, you know, that's that's going to be mainstream. Uh, I It's interesting because, like, I, I, st- I mean, I, I talk to a lot of folks and work with a lot of different folks, and most people don't even know how to use the base models right. So it's going to be interesting to see like how this evolves, what it does to the marketplace and who embraces it and who doesn't. Cause I think, I think there's going to be a combination. I'd be curious on your take. I think there's going to be a lot of um, scaling shit, right? Where just like how people spam now, it's going to be like that times 10 on some sides of the scale. And there's going to be some other side where people do it insanely well. Right. But I, I think, because of that, it's going to create a new kind of environment of a real interesting dynamic of people and outreach and everything. I mean, what's your take on that? Certainly, people call it, um, there's an adoption curve. I would say right now, majority of people, the early adopters, we are still in the early adopter phase. Most people here are using, like yourself, a tech savvy, 
right? You can be very good at writing prompt in ChatGPT. And there's certainly the, there's a, after early adopters, the majority of the people, <laughs> the majority of people need something that is more user friendly. The onboarding should be simple. I would say there are certain tons of work needs to be done from the technology and the product perspective for the more, for the majority of people to start to see the benefit. Uh, I think that again, I think people are already working on it. At Lexis, we are all also working on it. We are also working on AI agents trying to make it as easy to use as possible before we bring it to the market. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. So what what areas are you focused on with AI agents in terms of the productivity stack? There are a couple of things that I feel very interesting. First of all, like I mentioned earlier, outreach is a very interesting area. Uh, BDR, sales reps, they need to send, spend a lot of time going through the database, going through the contact list, out to code call, code email, and the success rate is very low, right? Right now, there's tools to help them writing better email, having better scripts. But I think the next step is to just augment that whole activity with an AI agent. Certainly right now, the technology is still getting there, but I think very soon we will see some players in this space. Another where it places AI coach. Nowadays, the sales leaders need to review a lot of transcripts, listening to the recordings, giving feedback to the sales reps. And certainly there's tools uh, giving some analytics to help with that. But still, there's a lot of manual work. I think in near future, AI can automatically review the notes, giving direct feedback to the sales reps and potentially like simulation of the uh, feedback and also maybe a training as well. I do see mm -hmm. a lot of areas right now, people are spending a lot of money work can be automated through AI agent. Yeah, totally agree. There's a lot of, I mean, like 65% of what salespeople are doing is, is non-selling activities, yeah, right? exactly. At least, I think it's probably more than that, but that's what the studies say, especially right now. So. That's really interesting. And I think there's a lot of validity in terms of what you're talking about, in terms of where that's going and, mm -hmm. and what the opportunities are. So let's talk about core business real quick because we're almost up on time. And one of the questions I have for you is like, what would you say is like your single biggest challenge growing the company right now? Like, because everybody has challenges, right? And they're all different at different stages, but what's yours right now? Right now it's hiring, it's recruiting. <laughs> so if you asked me, Two months ago, I would say it's fundraising because it's a tough year to fundraise. But we just closed the round. Right now, my top priority is hiring the right people. Uh, because I believe if we can find the right people, we already solved 50% of our challenges. <laughs> uh, team building yeah. is my major focus right now. We are hiring a marketing manager or director. We are hiring a few engineering positions. And uh, yeah, we want to hire the best people and who believe in our mission and who believe AI can change a lot of things. Yeah, I believe the same thing, man. <laughs> I think we're on the same page and excited about what your product's doing. And you know, one of the things that's coming up to, depending on when you listen to this, is we're, we're going to do a joint training on, on some of the productivity aspects of AI and how you can leverage it with what you're doing. So excited to do that as well. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. Well. Uh, Eric, it was awesome having you on the show. It was a lot of fun as always. 
appreciate your journey and just your humbleness in terms of trying to attack the solution with, you know, just making people's lives better, right? So um, appreciate you being on the show, man. Thanks so much, man. I really, I'm really glad I'm, I can come here. <laughs> yeah, me as well, man. All right, well, we will see you. Thanks for joining us today and we will see you all on the next episode. Thank you for checking out The Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.